Boston Red Sox pitcher Kurt Schilling. Have you heard of him? Yay or nay? Yay, okay. Right, bloody sock guy. He was the guy who helped them uh, break the curse of the Bambino. Well, here's the deal. The guy made a ton of money, right? And then after his career, after paying all the taxes, enjoying all the cars and all that, he still had quite a bit of money just chilling in his savings account. Do you know how much that was? $50 million. Not bad. Not bad, right? 50 mil? Who's in? Right? Pesos. I'm just kidding. Uh, $50 million he had. So he decides in retirement that, you know what, he wants to, to do something else. So he opens up a, a, a video game company called 38 Studios, right? He puts all of his money on the table. His hope is to really call, uh, create jobs and to be a blessing to the economy in the state of Massachusetts. He puts all of his money on the table for that to happen, and things are going great. 38 Studios is growing. Things are promising. They're probably going to be... Uh, you know, competing with all, the, with all the other video game, EA Sports, and all those other, whatever they are. I don't know what they are. I'm not a gamer. I, can't, I still can't beat Super Mario from the first round. I, I, I'm not a gamer. So uh, 38 Studios uh, was up and running and on its way with all of that 50 mil on the table looking to be a pretty good investment. But then, out of nowhere, the state of Rhode Island came in and they said, hey, Kurt Schilling, 38 Studios, we've got an opportunity of a lifetime. We're willing to give you $75 million in a loan to come in and create jobs in our state. So they promised him more. They promised him a, 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 a loan that was giving him access to more success, more influence, more dollars. But in order to do that, he had to leave the state of Massachusetts to do that. And so, uh, seeing it to be a good move for the company, that's what they did. They moved. Uh, but unfortunately, due to the economy and some other political factors, the state of Rhode Island did not follow through on their promise. Thus leaving Mr. Schilling and 38 Studios in dire financial straits, and ultimately they went bankrupt. And the sad reality is that Kurt Schilling lost all $50 million. True story. He was safe. He was successful in Massachusetts. Yet when he was lured away by a false promise of more, he lost everything. As I read this passage that we're about to take a look at, I see a lot of similarities. The situation regarding the Colossian Christians and the false teaching that was infiltrating their community. They'd heard of Jesus. They had received Jesus. All that He is. But then there was this teaching that began to come in and creep in to the local church and they began to promise more than Jesus to the people. Jesus is great, but we have something more. Something in addition to Jesus. Something that's supplemental to Jesus in His work. If you come with us this way, we'll give you more. This is the power of false teaching, isn't it? False teaching tries to carry us away from Christ. And the reality is this, is that this is not just something for the Colossians. This is something that we face in 2014. 
There is false teaching out there that seeks to lure us away by false promise away from Christ. Sometimes even in the name of Christ, correct? So today Paul is going to reason with the Colossians. He's going to reason with us. We are going to reason why we are not to get carried away from Christ. Right? We are not to get carried away from Christ. And there's good reason for that. And we're going to turn to Colossians 2 to see what they are. Colossians 2, verses 8-15. through 15. And by the way, I owe this church an apology. Uh, Mr. Lewandowski last week preached the passage after this. Do you know why? It's all my fault. I told him the wrong passage. But it was too late in the week to say, oh no, no, do the other one. So uh, we're a little out of order, so I apologize for that. But you know what? It's all good. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with Him. Having forgiven us of all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. This is God's Word. Amen? The Colossians are warned to be on guard. This is war language. See to it. Beware. Be on guard. See to it that no one takes you captive. Let no one take, carry you away as plunder, if you know that language. Plunder is basically what was left over after one nation beat the living tar off another they carried it away. This is ours now. That's what the language is here. right? See to it. Beware. Be on guard. Be careful. There is a real war out there about truth in regards to Jesus. There's true teaching and there's false teaching about Jesus and salvation and relationship with God. And so you want to be on guard. You want to be aware. You want to be ready to go. You want to be alert. So that as this teaching, this, this philosophy, not carry you away as plunder in the midst of war. Pretty strong language, isn't it? That's the danger we face when it comes to false teaching. False teaching is any teaching that is not in accordance with the true teaching about Jesus. Right? He says that, right? He says, no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit 
according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Anything that is not in full accordance with the true Christ that they had heard and received, that's false teaching. False teaching is built on lies, comes from the father of lies, right? Empty deceit. There's nothing there. It's just one big lie. It's a false promise saying that it's going to give you more, but in the end, there's nothing. It's just a lie. False teachings built on human tradition. Remember, the, in, in the opening part of this section, uh, we talked about receiving the tradition of Jesus. Right? That not all traditions are bad. That they're really the non-traditional traditionalism we have to be careful of. Right? We don't want this tradition and that tradition. We want to be new and contemporary and modern. But not when it comes to the purity of the gospel. We want that to be old school and classic. Right? Jesus. We don't want any new teaching, contemporary thoughts. We want the same old teaching that we've been given for 2,000 years. Remember that tradition? All right. Well, there's another kind of tradition. It's human tradition. It comes from us. It originates in the mind of man. And that's not consistent with Christ. That's what false teaching is. It's anything that's not in accordance with Christ. Right? And, and those who embrace this teaching, right? the hearers that say, ah, how nice, wonderful, yes, or, or the famous small group one, mmm, right? Come on, we've all been there. Come on, we're going to hear it at Missional Community this week, right? Somebody's going to say something and somebody else is going to go, mmm, that's good, yeah. And, you, and another guy in the room is thinking, wasn't good, right? That's what false teaching does. It, the, the person thinks they hear something good, but in all reality, what's happening is they're being lured away into captivity. We're warned to be on guard against this. Friends, today we have subtle but yet very powerful teaching that is in our world that we need to call a spade a spade. You see, today, what we want to do in the world is, is make truth gray, don't we? Right? The society today has just gone gray. Black and white is really seen to be kind of a negative way of looking at the world, isn't it? 2014. To be black and white, to be it either is or it isn't, is looked down upon today. And to be gray, to be open-minded, to, to kind of leave a question out there. Right? We don't even like to make statements anymore. We just like to be in dialogue and ask questions. We want a gray truth. It's foggy. Here's how we gray the truth of Scripture. With this kind of thinking. Any universalistic or inclusivistic thinking. What I mean by that is, the universalist says that everyone is doing just fine. In all of the world, in all of time, everyone is saved. Period. End of story. No matter what you believe. That's the universalist. The inclusivist would say this, right? Jesus saves us all. Right? They're saying, yeah, Jesus is the only true Savior, but everybody, regardless of belief, in Jesus or not, is included in His salvation. At the end of the day, all paths lead to God. It doesn't matter. Have we heard that? 
Is this consistent with the true teaching about Jesus? You hear it often. All paths lead to God. So much for Acts 4.12. Right? Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Or Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We see this again with religious pluralism. Right? One's religion is not the sole and exclusive source of truth. Right? Truth has many forms, many names, many gods. Acceptance of the concept that two or more religions with mutually exclusive truth claims are equally valid. Jesus is God. That's true. Muhammad is God. That's true. Those two statements can both be true. That's what the right, pluralist would say. How about moral relativism? Nobody is objectively right or wrong. And that because nobody is right or wrong, we ought to tolerate the behavior of others even when we disagree about the morality of it. And again, tolerance is different from acceptance. We need to be careful about that word, right? The point is this. Whether it's universalism today, pluralism or relativism, or some other teaching, these are teachings that we hear in culture all the time that lure us away from the truth about Jesus. How about in the church? How about the prosperity gospel? That is totally a promise of Jesus and more, right? I mean, if there ever was a, a, a luring teaching that says, Jesus, yes, but so much more on top of that. That's inside the church. It's wreaking havoc. It's poisonous. It's not consistent with the, with the Jesus of Scripture. All these subtly, powerfully seek to lure us away from the Lord, carry us away. Friends, let me say it this way. Renovation Church, do not get carried away from Christ. You're going to be told to. You're going to have countless opportunities to walk away and be lured away by false teaching in this world today. Both outside the church and inside the church. And I'm not talking about disagreements about this, that, and the other thing within the Scriptures. Man, there are a lot of people in the room that disagree about this and that in the Scriptures. We're not talking about disagreements. We're talking about fundamental distinction in what we understand to be the gospel, fundamental distinction between who Jesus is and all that He has accomplished on the cross for us in our place for our sins. Do not get carried away by culture or anyone in the church from Christ. And we're only on verse 8. Verse 9 tells us why. That key word for. He's told us the command, see to it that nobody carries you away captive. For, he's going to give us reasons why. He's, he's reasoning with us. We need reasons. Because to some degree, we're hearing reasons as why we should leave Christ and expect something more beyond Christ. And so what we need are biblical reasoning to stay closely connected to Jesus. 
who he really is. So why? Number one, you have been filled in Christ. I want you to hear that. We are not to get carried away from Christ because we were filled in Christ. Look at what he says. He says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. What a profound statement about the person of Jesus. Right? We saw it before in chapter 1, didn't we? Verse 19. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is the real deal. All of the fullness of God dwells in Jesus alone bodily. Let that sit. Let that sit for a minute and just meditate on this is who Jesus is. All the fullness of deity, the essence of the divine, lives in Jesus. (laughs) You can carry it away from Christ, but, but you're going nowhere. All of the fullness of deity dwells in Him. And not only that, if that wasn't a profound statement, a shocking one comes after it. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. So this one that is the fullness of deity in bodily form is the very one in which you have been filled in. So why would we go anywhere else? Why would we listen or even entertain false promises about something more than Jesus when that's who Jesus is and by faith in Christ, we have been filled in Him? You say, well, I'm feeling empty. There's got to be something more than Jesus. He's not enough. No, 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 no. If you truly believe and belong to Jesus, you are completely full. There's nothing more needed. So that's why we don't get carried away from Christ. Because in Christ, we have been made full. If you're feeling empty, if there's some, something inside your heart that says something's missing, it's either A, a lie, self-deception, or the thing that needs to fill it is Jesus, the one in whom all the fullness of deity dwells. I would presume that many of you who feel empty are believing a lie. You're not empty at all. It's just a matter about appropriating the fullness of Christ that's already within you by the power of the Spirit through repentance and obedience. You're full. Somebody said to me recently, pray for me. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I feel like I've got to go to the next level. He said something quite controversial, so I'm not even going to go there tonight. I feel like I need to go to the next level. I said, well, do you, do you have faith in Jesus? Like he's thinking, i got to get closer to God. I said, you know what, friend? If you believe in Jesus, you're as close as you're ever going to need to be. And you ever can be. You're ever going to want to be. The Spirit has filled you. You don't need something more from God. He gave you Jesus. Right? For us, it's not about getting something more. It's about the appropriation of what we already have by the power of the Spirit. Through what? Repentance and obedience. 
Where am I? Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Calvin. He'll bring us back. I'm not talking about Calvin and Hobbes. John Calvin. I thought he had great things to say about this. He said, speaking about the all-sufficiency of Jesus in this text, really being communicated. He says, Those, therefore, who do not rest satisfied with Christ alone, do injury to God in two ways. One, he says, for besides detracting from the glory of God, to not be satisfied with Jesus is to detract from the glory of God. But he goes on to say this, by desiring something above His perfection, they are also ungrateful inasmuch as they seek elsewhere what they already have in Christ. He's sufficient. He's the fullness. And we've been filled in Him. Don't get carried away from that. Don't get carried away from Christ. Christ is enough. Second reason. Verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 11. In Him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the bed. <laughs> from the bed. From the death. <laughs> Why not get carried away from Christ? Because you have been united to Him by faith. That's what we see here. Union. Incorporation. With Jesus Christ. In His death and resurrection. Through covenantal relationship. Right? What do we see? Why do you say that? Well, look at the language of circumcision. In Him you're also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Circumcision... Right, That physical sign that, 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 that Israel was in relationship with Yahweh. Right? That's what distinguished them from the rest of the world. This physical sign that you're my people. Covenantal relationship that Israel had with Yahweh. Right? But it was not only seen to be physical. It was even understood way back in Deuteronomy as something that was spiritual in nature. The, the physical pointed to something spiritual. That there's a spiritual circumcision, right? Deuteronomy 10. 10 Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. It's a spiritual reality that must take place, right? That's what the circumcision of Christ has accomplished in the circumcision of Christ alone. Right? Why run away from something that is solely effective in putting off the body of flesh and truly circumcising our heart, changing us? Why would we run from that? Right? It's the circumcision of Christ that has put off the body of flesh. His circumcision. And we see the connection with baptism, right? right? We see Romans 6, right? That, that covenantal relationship with God is about union with Him in His death and resurrection and baptism. That's the beauty of baptism. That's what we see on display. That's the means of grace by which what? We are now united with Christ by faith. Christ's baptism. 
The baptism of Christ. His death and His resurrection. Right? Paul says what? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live uh, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Union with Christ. Your life is over. That's good news, by the way. Right? You've been united with Jesus. No one else. In His death, in His resurrection, and now you share in His life. And through Him you have covenantal relationship with God. Do not get carried away from Christ. Because you're in a covenant relationship with God through union with Jesus Christ in His death and resurrection, of course, by faith. This must be embraced by faith. This must be relied upon for it to be real. And for it to be received. You have to say yes. Your heart needs to say, I fully depend upon Christ. I run to Christ alone. He is our sufficient Savior. No one else. I don't bring any of my merit to the table. I don't bring any of my righteousness. I lay it all down. And it's only through Jesus in His death and resurrection that I rely upon and depend upon. You must embrace it for these promises to be real. And let me assure you, if you believe, truly, they are. (laughs) They are real. This is true teaching. That when you're united to Christ, you're in covenantal relationship with the living God. That your old life is gone. That you've been circumcised in soul. And that you are now living under the power of the indwelling Spirit. Ah, it's kind of hot today. Sweating. This brings us to the next reason why we are do not why we are to not get carried away from Christ. Is that we were raised from the dead by God with Christ. Okay, where are we going from Christ? Why would we allow false teaching or the promises of today or the, the values and the philosophies of culture, human tradition, empty deceit, to lure us away from these things? We've been raised from the dead. Some of us say, well, that's kind of extreme. Not really. The Bible teaches that you were dead. You were dead in sin. Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Your state apart from Jesus is spiritual death. So is mine. But the good news is, Is that through that death and resurrection of Christ, and through our union with that, guess what? God raised us from the dead. So that when Jesus is raised, we're raised up with Him. How do you get more somewhere else than that? Resurrection from the dead. You were dead in your trespasses. The uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive together with Him. Look at what He says. What happens as He's making us alive? He's forgiving us of all of our trespasses. Do you hear that? 
Some of you live under the weight of guilt. You recognize that you are often sinning against God. You have besetting sins. You struggle. You don't understand why. You're frustrated. You have past sins that you can't shake. The guilt of it is too strong. And yet you come to this verse and you have the assurance that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and that God has made us alive by forgiving us of all of our sins. All of them. You know what? People say, man, people don't want to hear the gospel. Friends, they've never heard the gospel. More and more people have not heard the simplicity that God loves them and is willing in Christ to forgive them of all of their sins. To wipe away that guilt that they feel, that, that conscious, conscience that follows them around like a gnat. I'm telling you, they haven't even heard that. They've heard come to church, give your money, but they have not heard about the forgiveness that is offered in Jesus Christ. Test me in that. God forgives us of our sins. He, he, he cancels not only our sins and, and forgives us of it, but also the record of debt, right? Jesus secures our forgiveness, and Jesus, through fulfilling the law perfectly, on our behalf, because remember, we're united to Him now. So His obedience, His perfect righteousness in His life is now applied to us. So that when God the Father looks at us, He sees the righteousness of Jesus. Tell, hey, I, uh, actually, i got a better idea. Why are we running from this? Why are we lured away by the teaching of the world that would say that that's not enough, that we need more than that? Forgiveness of sin, the uh, wiping away and the canceling of all the requirements of the law. Old covenant, right? Jesus fulfilled it. I'm so excited I feel like I'm hurting for my smile. Am I smiling too much? <laughs> you know, the Steelers didn't win the Super Bowl. I'm just excited about Jesus. Are you excited about Jesus? I'm excited about Jesus. He pays the debt. He fulfills the law. It's awesome. That's why we are not to be lured away. Why we are not to be carried away captive by the ensnaring lies that look good on the surface, that promise us the world in the temporary, but in the end are nothing. They're empty. Do not be carried away from Christ, renovation. He's enough. And verse 15 says, whatever you're being carried away to, Jesus beat the living tar out of. You know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm a lover, not a fighter, right? Some of you, Jared knows that. He used to beat me up a lot, right? You know, I go to CrossFit, but it is not functional. It doesn't help anything. Because it just, like, I'm not a fighter. I don't fight. I kind of do one of these, you know. But I'm not stupid. Well, I'm kind of stupid. I'm not stupid. I want to be Jared's friend. Jared can fight, right? So, Jer's my best friend, right? Like, hey, Jer, right? So if I get in trouble with my mouth, Jer, take care of this kid, will you? Right? Look, at, why are we running to the weakness of the world for protection when we have the strength of the Savior that has literally conquered all of our enemies? Our sin got us in big trouble. Jesus conquered all the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame through His work. 
God triumphed over all of our enemies. Christ is victorious. Why run from him? No, look at Everyone says, hey, man, we're voting for the underdog in the tournament. I don't get that. Nobody likes an underdog. Satan's an underdog. You want dominance. Jesus is dominant. He has won the victory over all of our enemies. Why would we ever be carried away from Jesus Christ? Right? Don't get carried away from Christ, friends. Don't let any teaching lure you with false promises away from the pure Jesus. You ask, how do I know the real Jesus? How do I keep myself from getting carried away? How do I see to it? How do I be alert? How do I stand guard so that no one carries me away as plunder? Well, here's the deal, friends. Right? It goes back to the banker. Right? The banker doesn't stare and study at counterfeit money, does he? So stop checking all the weird blogs and reading all the weird magazines so that you're not getting lured away. Stare at the authentic Jesus. Read the Bible. Study the Scriptures. Stare at the real thing. That's what bankers do so that they can test what's counterfeit. Right? I know 500 preachers, probably more, have used that illustration. But it's perfect. If we want to know and to be safe and, and to be sound in our teaching, stare at the authentic Jesus of the Scriptures. And when you hear counterfeit, when you see it, you'll go, that's empty deceit. That's human tradition. That's worldly philosophy. Because I know my Jesus. I know what the Scriptures teach about Him. Don't get carried away from Christ. That's our warning. That's our call. We have good reason to obey it, right? Good reason. To some degree, and I'll close with this, I kind of feel like that moment, we're brought to this moment in John where Jesus is making some very troubling statements. And people are walking away from Him. Right? They're too difficult. These are, these are difficult sayings. You remember this? And Jesus looks at His disciples. And He says, Are you going to walk away too? Do you remember what Peter says? Where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have them. Right? Let's not get carried away by difficult sayings, by inconveniences, by the promises of this world, whatever it would be that would cause us to maybe go, eh, I don't know about this Jesus. Whatever that would be, let us remember Peter's statement. Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Do not get carried away from Christ. Let's pray. Our Lord, we confess to You that we are prone to hear and receive and get excited about many things in this world. We even confess that often we find ourselves unsatisfied with You.
that there's still a, a propensity in our soul to, to want something more, really want something that this world has to offer us, and we confess that sin to you together. I pray that as a local congregation, that you would protect us. I, thoughtful of Psalm 63, 8, where the psalmist says, my soul clings to you. That's our heart tonight, Lord. We cling to you. Yet the psalmist goes on to say, your right hand upholds me. Even as the, we cling to you and we don't get carried away from you, we recognize that it is your right hand, your strong right hand that protects your sheep from wolves. It's your right hand that upholds us. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here tonight that does not know you, covenantal relationship, that has not known the sweetness of forgiveness of sin, that has heard all that you are tonight through this passage and says, you know, Jesus is enough. I trust in him. And I receive all his love and forgiveness tonight. If that person is here tonight, I pray that they would embrace you and that they would feel your warmth and your love and your acceptance at this time. Lord, the rest of this evening is all yours. May we respond to the word with passion and focus upon the person of Jesus. In his name.